Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly Los Angeles Rams podcast. We get into other SoCal sports news of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. We are a member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome, Ram fans. Episode 28 here of Rams Up. We're going to get to that Ram Raider game. We'll have a complete wrap-up of that in a moment. We also have our sports pet peeve of the week and our fearsome four questions. We'll also provide some things we want to see in next week's preseason game against the Denver Broncos. Also, I have my response, my idea to solve the college football crisis from a Pac-12 Big Ten ACC perspective, and I'll share that at the end of this segment. It's crazy, but we can dream, can't we? First, let's get through all the SoCal sports news, get that out of the way, so we can focus on our Los Angeles Rams. Tim Tebow, I called it first. We had a fearsome four question several weeks ago. Was Tim Tebow going to make that Jaguar roster? And I said, no, absolutely not. And he was cut this past week within the first set of roster cuts by the Jaguars. So he's done. Really no surprise. 
and the Lions cut long snapper Don Mulbach. Why do we care? 40-year-old guy, long-time Lion. And his birthday happens to be August 17th, the same day NFL teams cut down from 90 to 85. And sure enough, Mulbach was in that group, and people went crazy nuts. How could you do this to this guy? Come on, people. This is the NFL. The Lions don't look down their chart and cross-reference it with birthdays before they cut guys. You cut the guy that needs to be cut. Happens to be August 17th. Can't believe people were so upset about that. And how about those Dodgers? Really hanging on, closing the gap a little bit on the Giants here, thanks primarily to their ability to pound the Mets and Pirates. And actually, the entire NL East, last I looked, the Dodgers were 20-8, and against the National League East. And tell me, how would you like this starting rotation? How would you feel if your team went in to opening day with your starting rotation of Dustin May, Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias, Trevor Bauer, and hey, let's throw in Tony Gonsolin? I'd be pretty stoked with that starting rotation. Wouldn't be the best, but it'd be pretty darn good. Those are all the guys the Dodgers do not have at their disposal right now. So you got to give them credit. The only guy from their opening day rotation still going is Walker Bueller. So they've been cruising along without these guys. And I think they're going to close the gap and win this division. They have three games left with the Giants. Those will be critical, obviously. And they have nine games left with the Padres. So those are going to be the 12 games. The Dodgers are going to have to win the majority of those, obviously. To have a chance. I think they'll do it. They've been winning at this clip while being very unhealthy, really banged up. I like their chances. I've kind of ignored what's going on with the Lakers. They are the current favorites to win the Western Conference at this point and advance to the NBA championship where they would face the Brooklyn Nets, the favorites in the Eastern Conference. And what an NBA championship series that would be The Lakers, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, and a guy I've always loved, Trevor Ariza, from his UCLA days. A lot of those guys are past their prime, but they could still get it done. And how about them facing off with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan? It would be spectacular. I'm telling you, that would be made-for-TV entertainment. Of course, we have those LeBron versus Kyrie storylines and the Kevin Durant versus Westbrook. Remember, they were teammates in Oklahoma City. Good times. I'd love to see this. Hopefully, it happens. Next up, we'll recap that Ram Raider game. Get to our fearsome four Ram questions, our sports pet peeve, and a look forward to the Ram Bronco game. Raider Ram game in the books, preseason game number two, and that was actually a lot of fun. Late in the fourth quarter, Rams down 17-10. Rams drive the field, clutch drive led by Bryce Perkins, score the touchdown to make the score 17-16. They go for two, 
with less than a minute left, and that Perkins' pass to Harris falls incomplete, and the Raiders come out with a win, 17-16. to Not too concerned with that final score. Could have gone either way. Who really cares? We saw a lot of good things, that's for sure. A couple things that may continue to worry us, and we learned some things, too. I'd like to start with the four things I said I hope to see in this game. I think I went three and a half for four. I wanted to see improved blocking. There are some guys that struggled at times, but we did see better run blocking and better pass blocking than we did last week, that's for sure. And I wanted to see the running backs create some plays on their own, create some yardage, break some tackles, and we saw that both from Jones and Funk. They both answered the bell. So that was nice to see. I also said I wanted to see some takeaways. We had two, should have had three, possibly even four. And I wanted to see an improved kicking game. And, well, we hit the field goal, we hit an extra point, and then we had uh, a 43-yard field goal blocked. And remember, that was without a regular holder, Johnny Hecker, so I'm not sure how to grade that. I had said uh, somewhat sarcastically, hey, let's split the uprights with a 45-yarder. I was hoping that would happen on a 43-yarder, and we'd go home four for four on the things I wanted to see, but didn't happen. Still, we at least hit two of our kicks, which was two more than we hit against the Chargers. So I'm feeling a little bit better about that. What are the good things I saw? Well, there's one thing that has me really excited, and if you're a Ram fan, you have to be pumped about Chris Garrett. It's kind of interesting. Last week, I did not see him flash that much. He had a hit on the quarterback late in the first half against the Chargers. Other than that, no stats. Didn't play bad. He didn't play bad, but he certainly didn't flash. And it was kind of interesting. Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL analyst, uh, commented on Twitter that, hey, hey, this Chris Garrett guy, he's flashing against the Chargers. Rams may have found something. And it's almost like he saw this game. He saw into the future because Chris Garrett dominated this first half in some ways. Uh, He was just all over the field, tipping passes, sacks, tackles for losses. And you could tell the Rams starting D was excited. He's going to be a great addition to this team. I think he sealed his spot on the roster against the Raiders. I liked what I saw from Ernest Jones. He's obviously a keeper. He's just solid as a rock. You can see it. He's not going to miss tackles. The Rams may have found a gem. Now, two guys that have little chance of making the roster, but may find themselves on someone else's roster, J.J. Koski and Landon Akers. Liked what I saw from both those guys. Really surprising. They made plays, caught the ball, advanced the ball, made plays with their legs as well. Also got involved in the blocking. Got to hand it to him. And of course, Bryce Perkins. Pocket presence and throwing a great ball. I would not go as far as that announcing crew saying he's unsackable. He's sackable, but man, it's not an easy task. Love the way he can create plays. Have to be really happy for him. And Xavier Jones and Jake Funk. Liked what I saw from those guys. It was very, very relieving to see them in the running game and especially Xavier Jones in the passing game. I'm feeling much better about a running back position, although the injury to Raymond is concerning. 
he will require surgery. So that's two running backs we're down now. I expect the Rams to bring someone in for the third preseason game, but but I could be wrong. Maybe they're fine with these guys. I'm still not 100% convinced this is the running back room that's going to take us to the Super Bowl, but I feel better about it than I did last week, that's for sure. It was also nice to finally see Bryson Hopkins come out of the shadows. He had a couple catches, uh, looked like an NFL tight end to me. So I don't know what's going on. You got Tyler Higby, you got Johnny Munt, Jacob Harris last week had a touchdown catch this week as well. Bryson Hopkins getting involved. I don't know. Maybe they keep them all. Or maybe by the time you hear this, someone's got cut. And I also like the defense as a whole. Uh, yeah, there was moments early in the game where they were getting gashed a little bit. But but overall, I think this was a solid effort by our second and third string defenders. No complaints. What did I not like? Well, obviously the penalties. Not good to see. Fortunately, this is the second and third string units out there committing most of them, but still not really thrilled to see that many penalties from an NFL team. I think Bobby Evans struggled, and it's really disappointing because I remember that game against the Bears where he uh, had to stand in and face Khalil Mack and had such a great game, and now he's struggling to make this roster. There's a reason he's out there taking all these snaps. Rams want to see if he truly is a guy they can count on, and I'm sorry, he did not have a good game. Offensive line was kind of up and down effort. And what did we learn? Well, we learned that Terrell Lewis may be in trouble. Justin Lawler shined last week. Chris Garrett this week. Terrell Lewis can't get on the field. Again, by the time you hear this, maybe we'll know who's getting cut. But Terrell Lewis has to be concerned. Well, Taylor Rapp seems to have that safety job sewed up. Burgess getting lots of playing time early in the game tells us that. It's going to be Fuller and Rapp back there. No surprise. We thought Burgess might have had a chance to supplant him. But it's going to be Rapp and Fuller, obviously, at this point. Next week against the Broncos, there's really only three things I want to see. I want to see improved special teams as far as kicking, fair catching, punt returning. I'd like to see Atwell involved in that a little bit more. I want to see fewer penalties. That's got to get corrected. And I just don't want to see any more injuries. I, I don't think I want Jake Funk out there or Xavier Jones. I don't know if, who else we can put out there at the running back position. Let's get to that opener healthy. And any players that we know are going to be on this roster that we have to count on, sit them down. I don't care if we lose 40 to nothing. So that's about it. Improve special teams. No injuries. Let's cut down on the penalties, and let's get out of there, go home, and get ready for the opener. Let's get through our fearsome four questions for the week. Fearsome question one is Bryce Perkins going to make this roster? I was originally going to phrase this question as, are the Rams going to carry three quarterbacks? Well, if they do, I think it would be Bryce Perkins at this point. I think we'd all agree on that. 
But my answer is no, I don't think they can. I don't think they will. I think Bryce is going to end up on the practice squad. And as they have in recent years, they will carry two quarterbacks, not three. We can only hope no one picks them up and adds them to their active roster, and we can put them back on our practice squad. Got to like the guy. He's really been showing up. First in question two, which of the cuts last week surprised you the most? Now, by the time you hear this, there may have been some additional cuts, but on August 17th, the one that surprised me the most was Derek Moncrief. I thought he played well. I thought he actually had an outside chance of making this roster. Uh, he flashed a few times in that opener, the opening preseason game against the Chargers. I believe he had three tackles and an assist. But he's gone, and, and that surprised me. It wasn't a, a gigantic surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. For some question three, who's going to be returning punts? Well, I think it's going to be 2-2, right? I mean, when they need a return, when they are playing the field position game, it's going to be 2-2 at well. Let's not joke around about this. He's going to be back there returning punts until he fails at it. For some question four, what are the Rams worst at? And I, I basically set this question up for myself because as smart as Sean McVay is and as talented a coaching staff they have, they are so bad at managing their timeouts. And we saw it again in the preseason game against the Raiders. That timeout at the end of the first half, I didn't get it. I see it over and over again in the regular season. I'm not going to recount exact instances because I can't. But if forced to, I could. And they haven't gotten better at it. I don't get it. Sean needs a time management guy on his side sitting next to him in his hip pocket to help him with that. Because, frankly, the Rams kind of suck at it. And eventually it's going to bite them. Those are our first and four questions for the week. Next up, our sports pet peeve of the week. Okay, folks, I have a special pet peeve for you, a sports pet peeve, one that has one that I have been carrying around with me for years and hadn't thought much about it, but it came up again a couple weeks ago. And it has to do with slow-pitch softball and, coincidentally, recreational kickball, which happens to be really popular here in Southern California. And the rules are kind of similar. It's basically the same thing as slow-pitch softball, except you're kicking the ball. And my pet peeve has to do with taking walks in slow-pitch softball. Give you some background, I played 25-plus years slow-pitch across Southern California. Most of the teams I played on were competitive. Some of them were very good, some not so much. Played on a couple teams that were just for fun and exercise, but most of our teams I would classify as fairly competitive. The objective was to score more runs, win the game. But one thing I can tell you is most of us were not there for walks. We did not show up on a Wednesday night with dreams of three walks in our head. We were there 
to hit the ball and run the bases. Yeah, there were times where I took a walk, either because there was just no hittable pitch at all, or it was a league championship, tournament championship game, that type of thing, where maybe I'm looking for a walk to get on base. Special circumstances, I would call them. But we didn't show up looking for walks, and most of the guys I know weren't there looking for walks. So a couple weeks ago, my special assistant was playing in a kickball game. His team actually does pretty well. They were up 5-2, to two, and they were playing another team that had one player on it that was very, very good and had kicked the ball to the moon a couple times already. This is a co-ed team, by the way, a co-ed kickball game, so you can imagine how serious it is to most of them. So this guy on the other team, he comes up, down two or three runs, runners on second and third, his turn to kick. And mind you, in co-ed kickball, it's male-female, male-female, so betting in the order behind him is this petite young lady waiting her turn. So what does this guy do? He takes a walk. Now, some of you probably already know in co-ed softball, when you walk the guy, it's actually a double. But in kickball, in this league anyways, it was not. He walks to first, and now the bases are loaded. So this guy that can kick the ball to the moon is content to take a walk to load the bases. And as it was told to me, he had pitches. Do we call them pitches? He had pitches that he could have kicked. It wasn't like they were unkickable pitches, but he worked this guy for a walk. So what happens? This young lady comes up and, you guessed it, kicks the ball halfway to the pitcher, inning over. I remember playing in slow pitch games where we'd run into teams that were kind of like this, that would take walks There's one game I remember in particular where our pitcher had just totally lost his groove and we were getting killed. We were down at least 15 runs as I remember it. And this other team just starts taking walks. One walk, two walks, three walks. I think they must have had six or seven straight walks. Just these guys just walking around the base paths and their base runners are cheering. Yeah, okay, don't don't swing at anything bad. Make him pitch to you. Walks as good as a hit. A walks as good as a hit? No, it isn't. Not on a Wednesday night at the local city park when you're up 20 to 5 and it's the bottom of the sixth inning and the other pitcher cannot find his groove. Swing the bat, hit the ball, run the bases. Man, I get really wound up about that. I still remember that game. These guys so proud of themselves taking all these walks. That's what we're there for, right? bunch of guys sitting in a dugout cheering walks and 10 guys out in the field standing around with their hands in their pockets. Will this game ever end? So that's my sports pet peeve for this week. Please, when you show up at your game tomorrow night, the next night, whatever it is, get the bat off your shoulder and forget the walks. I don't know if I've ever felt as strongly as I do about this one. No walks, folks. Get the bat off your shoulder, swing the bat, run the bases, have some fun.
few weeks ago, I touched on the crisis that has embraced college football with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. And someone said, hey, what are you talking about college football for? This is a Rams podcast. But I think this should be of interest to all football fans. It's going to really change the college football landscape, the domino effect that's going to happen. And it's already starting. Probably heard the rumors about the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC already talking about how they are going to respond to the SEC's power move. And I have my own plan. I have my plan. It's called the Screw the SEC plan, actually. And I'm going to talk about it real briefly here. I think the ACC and the Big Ten and the ACC and the remaining Big 12 teams should take it a step further. Let's form a sensible college football conference broken up into divisions or brackets, call them what you will. And my idea is to model it after how they do soccer in England. Let's have six brackets of eight teams each, 48 teams. Three of those brackets are premier teams, premier brackets, so 24 teams, and three of them are so-called gold brackets. So three gold brackets, eight teams each, so 24 premier, 24 gold, But this is the thing. If you finish 7th or 8th in two straight years in a premier bracket, you drop down to the gold bracket and are replaced by the most deserving team from that bracket over the last two years. And likewise, if you finish 7th or 8th in a gold bracket two years in a row, you can be exercised to no man's land where all these other teams will reside and will be replaced by some unnamed team that will be invited to take your place. And you can earn your way back in. You can earn your way back into gold. You can earn your way back into premier. So no one is technically excluded. You just have to earn it. If you're a premier West team, you finish eighth two years in a row. You drop down to premier gold, and you're replaced by a premier gold team that would move up. It's pretty simple, really. And these premier and gold brackets could be different depending on the sport. For example, Kansas, in my mind, would definitely not be a premier team in football, but it certainly would be in basketball. And I think there's a lot of examples of that. How would the season work? Well, you have three divisions premier, three divisions gold. You play each team in your division, that's seven games, and play one team from each of the other five divisions. So that's another five games. So the The Gold and Premier are still playing each other. It's not necessarily a balanced schedule, but it's still pretty appealing in a lot of ways. And then since you've already had 12 regular season games, the playoffs include three Premier champions and one wild card. That wild card can come from Premier or Gold. How that is decided is up for discussion. I'm not sure who would be better, a second-place Premier team or a team that goes undefeated in Gold. In all likelihood, that gold team's going to move up next year. So I'm not sure about that. It's up for debate. I'm no expert on this college football landscape. But this, to me, makes sense. Now you have some teams that are going to get left out at the beginning. And some teams, it's debatable whether they belong in premier or gold to start out. But we can figure that out. We're all smart enough to figure that out. And the way I figured this out, between premier and gold... 13 of 14 ACC teams would be invited. 13 of 14 
Big Ten teams would be invited. All 12 of the Pac-12 teams would be invited. Most of the remaining Big 12 teams would be invited. I think this would work. It would be really cool, and it would put the SEC on their heels. You know what? You don't even have to include them in the playoffs here. I'm not sure how this is going to work with the NCAA and the college football playoffs moving forward, but but I don't know why this super conference would have to even worry about that. The champion of this would be what I care about, and the SEC might have to come hat in hand asking to participate. And maybe we just say no. Just to give you an idea of what I came up with, and again, it's all up for debate. This is mine. UCLA, USC, Stanford, Washington, Oregon, Utah, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. That would be my initial Premier West bracket. It's pretty attractive. Premier Central, Ohio State, Michigan, Northwestern, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Notre Dame. It's mostly a Big Ten conference. I think Notre Dame would want to be a part of this. In the Premier East, Penn State, Clemson, Florida State, Boston College, Louisville, Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech. That's one Big Ten and the rest ACC. You kind of get the idea. I'm not going to run through all these teams. I would be thrilled if something like this happened. What are the chances? I don't know. I think we may be headed towards something like this. But what happens to the San Diego States of the world? The Tulsas? In basketball, Gonzaga? They'd have to be invited, right? The Tulsas and San Diego States of the world? They could eventually find themselves in one of these gold brackets. And if they do well there, eventually into one of the premier brackets. If you can expand this playoff to eight teams after a 12-game season, you can invite the gold champions to premier champions and maybe a couple at large. There's a lot of possibilities here. I'm not arguing for this exact format. Just the gist of it. It makes sense. I would love it. I would love to see the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC get together and move towards something like this and include those Big 12 teams. I'm okay with that and say goodbye to the SEC. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.